Honestly, Bilal is a must-listen for current and aspiring ophthalmologists alike. Hearing the journeys of ophthalmologists at different stages of their careers has been both informative and inspiring. In sharing people's stories, this platform has further connected the ophthalmology community in a time where face-to-face connection is hard to come by. That's Arham Berkatola. Arham is a second-year medical student at Dartmouth, and she will be the lead for the Equality and Ophthalmology section of Honestly Bilal. Thanks for listening, Arham, and thanks for being on the team. of Toledo and this is Honestly Bilal, the show for the aspiring ophthalmologist where I sit down and talk to medical students interested in ophthalmology, residents currently training ophthalmology and current ophthalmologists in the field today. Dr. Ben Young is here. Uh, ben had did his medical school at Brown University then followed by his residency at Yale and now he's a uh, fellowship in vitreoretinal surgery at the University of Michigan. So Ben, it's a pleasure to be with you on my show. Thanks for joining me. Uh, I know that we've done some research together here and there and you've been a, you've been a force of nature and uh, you're very Thankful, thankful for your uh, uh, mentorship because I don't know what I'm doing a lot of time, but you, you seem to know what you're no, doing. No, 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 you, 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 yeah, this is a great show. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a big honor to be on here. Yeah, man. Well, it's fun to, yeah. fun to have the little like merge between the podcast, like when like, you know, when the superheroes used to meet in different shows, it, it kind of feels yeah, like- Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the Avengers uh, oh, episode. I can take that. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> well, let's, let's start at the very beginning. So you and uh, ophthalmology, when did it happen? And, and when did retina become something that you became like, all right, this is what I'm going to do after ophthalmology? Yeah, I mean, the, the short version of the story is, uh, at first, I was really interested in general surgery. That was um, what I thought I was going to go into. But then I found out about ophthalmology and that you get to sit during surgery. And oh, man, that was, a, that was a game changer. But, but like, it, I mean, in, in reality, you know, I, I've always liked um, uh, physics and problem solving and, and math and things like that. And it's not like you have to do a ton of, like, on-the-fly math when you're doing ophthalmology. But I think the problem solving and the really discreet um, objective findings you can use to try to put together the solution to a patient's problem. I think really, really spoke home to me. And I mean, it, it really kicked off in, um, in med school because uh, we had this like preclinical course in like first and second year where you get to use the, uh, the surgery simulator, the IC that, uh, that Brown had it like, you know, sitting down at that thing and getting to, to play around with those microsurgical tools really, really sealed it home for me. So those are all kind of what spun me around ophthalmology. So if anyone out there, if you're thinking about ophthalmology and your school or, or somewhere near you has a surgery simulator, I really recommend giving that a shot. I think uh, anyone could benefit from it if you have one. And then from there, you know, vitreoretinal surgery is something you're, you're doing a fellowship in now. When did you find that? Yeah. Did you find that there was an interest in medical school? I mean, in uh, residency or did you already have that interest before going to residency? Yeah. So, you know, I'd done my research for what the different specialties looked like for, um, uh, for within ophthalmology. And I really thought like, okay, like peds is really cool. Cause I, I love peds as, um, as a med student. And, uh, you know, I thought corneal glaucoma both sound really interesting. The surgeries, you know, were, were, were awesome. And, and then I remember thinking like, there's no way in hell I'll ever do a retinal surgery. Really? Which, yep. Those you should never close your <laughs> close your mind off too early. That was like I was like you know everything else even like neuroophthalmology that sounds like you know a lot of problem solving sounds really good. Uh-huh. Like retina that sounds terrible. I would never do that. And then it was really during um, you know I did our consult rotation at Yale pretty early on, and I just found every retina case I thought was different and interesting. And um, the mentors I had in retina at Yale were were amazing. And 
um, the, you know, the, the surgeries were awesome. Sure. Uh, so yeah, that's what kind of like slowly sucked me into retina and here I am today. Ben, you have a, you are the co-host of one of the biggest ophthalmology podcasts in terms of education, educational material called uh, Eyes for Ears podcast. It's you and Andrew Powell, who is faculty at Iowa. So talk about, you know, Eyes for Ears and, you know, it's a educational resource for people who are studying for the OCAPs and for ophthalmology residents and even people who are maybe medical students who have, you know, general topics of ophthalmology they want to learn about. But, mm -hmm. you know, when did the aha moment happen for you about Eyes for Ears? When did you guys say that, hey, we should do this. Like this, this would be great. I think it actually be something. So when did that happen for you? Yeah, it, I, I, the origin of it really was match day because, um, so I matched to Yale. So I, you know, I went to med school at Brown and then I matched to Yale. And then my now wife, um, my, my girlfriend at the time matched to Brown. Mm -hmm. So the, the reason I think that I three really got off the ground was because of that 96 miles between Providence and New Haven. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of weekends we were like, you know, you know, we tried most weekends when we weren't on call to drive to each other um, back and forth. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of time that we were busy residents trying to do well in residency. And for neither obstetrics, which is what she's an obstetrician, uh, neither obstetrics or ophthalmology was there like a fantastic, like, like a dedicated border view resource, um, like an audio border view resource that we could find. I mean, I listened to like every episode of Straight from the Coast Mouth with, 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 with Dr. Shreether, yeah. of course. And I thought the Jam Ophthalmology podcast is actually really good too. Uh, people don't listen to that. It's hosted by uh, Neil Bressler um, at Jam Ophthalmology. And that's, you know, great for research, but neither is really focused on, um, you know, resident level education or even, I'd argue even med student level education, um, you know, just learning ophthalmology. So um, I have to give credit. My uh, wife came up with the idea for an obstetrics podcast first. So oh. if, uh, if there's an obstetrician that's listening to this podcast or on your OB clerkship, Korea Eggs Over Coffee, I have to highly recommend. It's the best OB uh, med student and resident education resource out there. Um, and, uh, and, and, but, you know, I, you know, we were both kind of considering it. And after, you know, hers is massively successful. And then, um, you know, I uh, figured we should do the same thing for ophthalmology. And then, you know, I talked to Andrew, who has a lot of experience in, you know, various like audio engineering things and, and such. And he's a really good friend and a super smart guy. So then we put our heads together and that's how Ice Rears is born. Wow. And then 96 miles. If, there, if it was 95, he probably wouldn't have made it. Yeah. I'm not cutting the market. And you and, yeah. still, you and your wife are like the, like, what are you guys, like the Jay-Z and Beyonce podcast now? Is that I, I like to think of myself yeah. as Beyonce, but you know, <laughs> we have ways to go. <laughs> I knew there's similarities there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so too. <laughs> so, and then recently you guys just got a, a very large publication based off of Ice Rears. So talk about that a little bit too, uh, with that study and, and the, the thing went on with that. Yeah, yeah, a ton of credit to, honestly, a ton of credit to my wife too, um, who who came up with an idea for doing that for her own podcast. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's um, there's certain studies called feasibility studies where you um, where, where you just define some kind of educational or surgical or medical um, uh, process that that you think is good to be spread around the country. And then you um, talk about, you know, the steps that you had to do to get there, what difficulties, what limitations were. So it's a kind of like, it's an educational resource about making educational resources basically. Okay. And, um, you know, um, trying to show how to make it sustainable, make it applicable and, and keep it feasible um, in the long run. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the idea, the point of doing papers like this is to help 
promote other people to do like similar projects either within ophthalmology or outside of ophthalmology. That's why we um, aimed for, um, we didn't aim for an ophthalmology journal for this. It's uh, ours is published in the journal of surgical, um, sorry, graduate surgical education. Right. Um, so hopefully people in other specialties might be able to take these principles and, and you know, make an ENT version or, uh, you know, a transplant surgery version or whatnot. Or even with people within ophthalmology, hopefully can take some lessons that we learned about how to make podcasts and, uh, and, and use, use the tips we talk about in there. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've, speaking of going back and trying to promote other people, you've, you've really done a great job of, of, you know, mentoring people like me, mentoring people like, uh, you know, other, other people on our research project, like Ben Starin and, and people at Yale. And, and you've been a guiding figure. And I know that, you know, that's something you, you care about. So talk about, you know, this year is obviously very different uh, with the whole virtual interview season and everybody's trying to figure out what's a good fit for them or what programs they should look at and stuff like that. So what's your general advice going through, you know, I mean, speak to your own process and your own experience when you were going through residency or when you were applying for residency or applying for fellowship for people out there and what are some, you know, pearls of wisdom you picked up along the way that you have for people uh, down the road? Yeah, I mean, you know, with applications, I, I do, f I really feel for everyone applying this cycle. Um, I think the, the virtual uh, application, just because it's so fresh and, you know, I don't think anyone knows what to expect from it. Um, I will say, I think I got super lucky um, in terms of matching at Yale, not just because like it, it was a, it's a fabulous program and I'm, I'm like super, super happy I matched there. But, um, but also it's, I think it's hard for anyone to know if a place is going to be a good fit till you're actually there. Mm. Um, you know, ideally, you know, from, an, you know, any type of in-person interview, you can get a feel for what other, you know, what programs are like, or, um, you know, whether or not, you know, this, this, um, nebulous good fit um, is there between you and another program, but I, but you know, I think a lot of it is still a, a dice roll. You know, you're not gonna, you're likely not gonna meet every single faculty member that you're gonna work with at an interview, um, mm -hmm. even if the person you're meeting with is super honest. Which I think, you know, the people at Yale, I don't feel like anyone is deceptive or anything. I think everyone was themselves during the interview. But it's not like you're gonna know what it's like to operate in the OR with yeah. someone when you just you know, talk to them for 10 or 15 minutes. And it's not like they're going to know either. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a dice roll for everyone. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think looking at, at fundamentals of programs, um, uh, you know, we, we had an episode on our podcast where we brought in a couple of program directors who, who talk about what they're looking for and what they think you should look for. So, you know, I think it's worthy of like an hour long discussion. So I would just uh, kind of forward people to that. And then Jay Shreeler has a similar episode too on, from the cutter's mouth. Um, but, you know, I, I, I will say, like, I, I wouldn't, you know, I think almost every program out there that's accredited it will teach you how to be a great general ophthalmologist. So I wouldn't, you know, I just remember being so stressed about the ranking process, you know, um, like trying to weigh all the pros and cons, you know. It's yeah. like, it's like when you're just shopping for something on Amazon nowadays, right? It, like you have to read through all of the different reviews and look at like all the pros and cons versus this vacuum cleaner and that vacuum cleaner. And like, oh, but this one has like a higher turbine, right? But this one, you know, has like a bigger brush or what, you know, and you know, you can drive yourself crazy and like residency is so much harder. And I think there's less information out there. So I think part of it is trust the system. Um, and, you know, sometimes a match is, you know, can be, can feel completely random. Sometimes it can feel like destiny that you match where you matched. Um, so I just, you know, so much was out of our control that, you know, just do your best, make a rank list and kind of, you, you know, and then, you know, what happens happens, you know, it, it's one of those things. Um, 
in terms of getting to residency, I think that's kind of what, you know, once you're there, is that like kind of what? Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things is um, finding value in every single patient encounter that you have. Um, that's something that my chief, uh, my first year, shout out to Cal Kovac, who is, you know, one of the big reasons I'm, I wanted to write now, he, he was my chief my, uh, my first year of residency, um, really hammered home that, like, especially at this point in your training, like, you should be able to learn something from every single patient you meet. Mm. Usually it's something medical, especially early on, like something, you know, even if it's a corneal abrasion, which I bet a lot of med students feel comfortable diagnosing, at, you know, at once they've done like an away rotation or so. Yeah. Uh, even that, I think there's something different about, you know, every corneal abrasion early on that you can learn from something about the exam or something about how they presented that was weird or, or something about how they responded to, to treatment that's unusual. Um, you know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think I did a good job in residency. I, I learned a ton. I mean, even now in fellowship, I'm learning something from every single patient I'm seeing. Yeah. Even, you know, every single retinal tear, which is like, you know, kind of bread and butter mm-hmm. for not only fel- uh, a retina fellowship, and, but in residency too, there's something that you can learn from like every single case. Um, and it might not be medical. It might be something like how to talk to a family to make them feel more comfortable or how you messed up talking to them, explaining to them their diagnosis and, you know, thinking like how did it, how did how did, you know, things go poorly in a certain patient encounter or really well in the patient encounter? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of wish I did this for medical cases, but um, one of my uh, fellows at Yale recommended, I don't know, if you, I don't have it on me, but uh, recommended for every surgical case too, he has a little notebook, which I now have too. It's a little moleskin notebook. Um, and there's a page devoted to every surgical case and you try to write something you learn from that surgical case because early on you should be learning something from every single surgical case. Sure. Um, I know that for me, when I was trying to decide on ophthalmology, something I was worried about was, oh, well, it seems it looks from the surface, like every surgery is the same, mm-hmm. you know, especially like cataract surgery. It appears that they're all like, oh, it's the same, like, you know, 10 steps in a row. Right. But uh, I mean, not in my experience, like every case has something different or something um, interesting that happens that you can learn from like, oh, the chop didn't go that well, or the divide, like the groove could have been deeper. Like I struggled with this part or, or something, you know, even through the end of your, um, residency, residency surgical training. So, um, trying to, um, trying to learn from each case will, I think, help you draw more from the well, because residency goes by so fast, you know, like I still feel like I'm a first year resident sometimes, oh, you know, yeah. in terms of like time, it, it just, it, it blew by. And, you know, it's only, uh, you know, it's only like a thousand days or so that you get to learn, th- learn things, um, you know, including vacation, um, uh, you know, vacation taking away some of that time. So, um, uh, you know, it's taking each day and valuing it, I think not only helps you learn, but it also gives you something to really look forward to and helps, you know, reduce your burnout, makes you feel like, like you're doing something valuable and not just punching in a refill for Timolol, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. So yeah, I, I didn't think about it. Like a thousand days. That's, that's pretty much. That's a, it's a really short time. It's yeah. a really short time. You know, in Canada, it's, um, it, you know, they have like one year internship and four years of ophthalmology residency, you know, oh. in the United States, it's kind of short, you know, it's kind of short. And I think, I think the system works. I mean, I think people come out of training. Like, I feel like I, I'm very well prepared to be a general ophthalmologist right now, but, um, but, you know, it's still a short time and I think you have to make the most of it. And it's, I think it's very possible to come out not feeling comfortable with certain things that you should feel comfortable with. You know, I mean, I say should, but, um, but you know, it, it's, it's possible, you know, who knows how many like hyphemas you're going to see in, in residency. So value every single one, you know, value okay. every single one. No, very good advice, man. That's, that's, mm-hmm. 
that's the kind of wisdom I was looking for. And that's some, you know, there's, there's a, besides vacuum cleaners and comparing them, I, I think the nowadays thing is another good way of putting it. That's, that's not like a lot of time if you think about it. I mean, that's, and I guess yeah. training wheels are on, like that's when you can kind of just like take risks. Oh yeah. Completely just kind of stupid and be, it's okay. Like, you know, for the most Yeah. Part. Yeah. Now all my questions sound dumb, you know? So yeah. like ask the questions while you still can. Like a month ago, it would have been way less stuff that I'd be asking now, sure. you know? So, uh, so yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, the vacuum cleaner situation really caused me quite a migraine. I like could not decide. And like, thank God, as a, I got married kind of recently as a wedding gift, I got a Roomba. So like that solved all my problems. I, I still would not have, my floors would be dirty to this day if it weren't for uh, Paula Fang. Shout out to her who got me the Roomba as a wedding gift. Adult things, man. It's adult life. You're out in different states. That's it, baby. That's it. No, just my old one broke. And then I was oh, like, oh, why did it break so quickly? I, like, I, I've cleaned my floors. I just needed to do I believe it. you. I believe yeah. you. Yeah, sure. sure. I'll take care of this. So let's talk about the podcast a little bit more. I actually want to know about this. Mm-hmm. I'm going through it right now and just figure yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do a great job. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's not easy to kind of just like figure this. It's, okay, it's, it's not like rocket science, but it's also not like super easy. I mean, the learning curve is there. Uh, mm-hmm. was you, were you familiar with podcasts? Were, were they like something that you had, were, had, were they ever on your radar of something you would do? Like for me, they were never were. I never thought about it, but it happened. But what about you? Yeah, I mean, just as a listener, you know, I, it uh, kind of was a crash course in, in learning about um, um, podcasts. Like, I, you know, when, you know, I think I had the idea or, or like I, I decided I want to do a podcast like October or so of my second year of residency. And then like the next four months was just like, looking into it, trying to figure out how the best way to do it. You know, like, like the, it's like the Amazon vacuum cleaner effect. I was like looking at like all the mics and everything, yeah. like what, what the best, like this thing, like what the best pop filter would be to yeah. use, like all, all these, um, all these things. And, you know, I, I learned, I, you know, I learned it a ton. I think we recorded our first official episode um, December. It was like mid December of uh, my second year. And it, it was god awful like i will never release this episode for the public to hear that i think some of the big mistakes you made with that episode were i wrote out i I can't remember if i told this story on a on a on um on on jay's podcast but um we i wrote out the whole script you know like word for word including the jokes you know it was and so then we just yeah so then and then we just wrote off so i was like hello andrew this is our first no way we're going to talk about transient, transient, whatever. And yeah, and it was, it was, uh, yeah. And then I, I remember we recorded it first. It went like way faster than we thought. Cause we were just reading a script. So yeah. it was like, like we reproduced that episode at some point and you know, it's like our normal 20 minute episode. But when we just read out the script, it was like the most boring seven minute thing that you could ever listen to. So I, I still have it as a reminder, like the, the audio files reminder of like, I, I hope how far we've come yeah. <laughs> in that meantime. Um, and then, um, so yeah, so, so then I learned, I just, just make an outline, like know the material beforehand, like really well, like, you know, I review, you know, I try to review the whole BCSC of whatever we're trying to cover. And then usually the subspecialty textbook, like, you know, your ophthalmology is a great one. Ryan's, you know, for retina there, you know, um, there's a great corny, but you know, there's, there's a great one for each, each subspecialty. Try to at least read to like the, um, like, you know, like PGY4 level or so of, in those textbooks, that's kind of like my rough goal, like, you know, boards level, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, just the outlines that we, you know, we, we write like an outline for everything. So we remember what to get to, but that's just more for organization, you know, yeah. not to like read off blocks of text. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm, another thing I'm like very embarrassed about is, um, 
you know, by my, the metrics I have, the, our first episode is still our most listened to, like it's the most downloads, you know? Um, and it's not just like, it's the oldest, like month to month. I think when people hear about our podcast, they probably start the first one and, and yeah. download that one. It's about retina fundamentals. And like, you know, I hate listening to that one because um, the, my editing was very like, that was like the first episode I like, really tried to edit. And it was like, I, I think it's super obvious where the editing cuts are. And it's like very, you know, uh, it's, it's super sketchy. And um, the, the recording equipment we used was not like the best recording equipment at the time too. I didn't know things about um, audio dynamics. Like, and so I just moved to this apartment, so you can't judge me, but, um, but you know, if, if someone were to record, if, if you, the listener, wants to want to record in a space, um, like this situation that you're seeing now is not ideal. Um, a big part of it is reverberation. Hmm. Um, so maybe I can give a little bit of like a tour of like my recording situation right now. So, so if you have right angle surfaces, so this is like my boring plain wall. And then like on the opposite side, I, I, I'm not, okay, my, I'm too hooked up. But on the opposite side. Don't worry, don't, don't, don't bust your equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, you can't break, it's for, for this, I'll break it after this episode yeah. with you. But, but sound will reverberate back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that leads to a huge echo effect, which you might be hearing now, because like I haven't um, fully addressed the situation yet. But um, so putting things in the way can be super helpful for that. So before in my old recording situation, I had a painting that I put right behind me. And that's like a super cheap um, sound absorbing situation that you can put yeah. up. Um, you know, when I record other people's houses or, or something like if I go to visit and like record somewhere else, like a blanket is very good too. just hang up a blanket. Like I could just put one on the back of this chair. I mean, I part of the reason I got this chair is this is like a padded foam. That's, um, that's right behind it. Cause it, it's like, a, it's like a little step towards um, absorbing sound to isolate it to, you know, to a microphone, mm -hmm. which is the idea. And you don't have to get like a super fancy microphone. Um, um, like any mic will do, but reducing rever reverberation will significantly increase your audio quality. And then looking at the opposite side of the room too, trying to put something up there, like I was going to tr try to show you, I have a couple paintings up there. It, honestly, I mean, I think they're gorgeous paintings. I painted them myself, yeah, but, um, but, um, but honestly, the positioning is, is a lot for audio absorption qualities. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's, or moving furniture in the correct way, or if you find, have a room in your house that's, that doesn't, doesn't have like walls directly opposing each other. Like if there's walls at an angle, then it'll help bounce sound in different directions too. That can be somewhat helpful, but, um, and then uh, I'll, you can't do anything about the ceiling usually. I mean, that's kind of, that'd be kind of weird to do, but the floor, if you have a hardwood floor, then like carpet, um, like a rug or a carpet can help really absorb a lot of sound there too. Wow. So um, yeah, those are some of the things that like I learned to kind of optimize and I just, I haven't done it for here. I wish I could like show you examples here. I should have yeah. thought about that like right before this recording, but uh, yeah, that can be helpful. No, that's good. Cause I, I feel like that's the one thing I, I really struggled to pick up or like learn is the, the audio stuff is hard. I think the, mm -hmm. yeah. It's weird Cause mine's like a video, there's YouTube channel, this stuff, and then there's the audio format and I'm not as happy with the audio stuff. I want to make the audio better, but that learning. Yeah. yeah those are some simple things. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. move your painting like you know a notch lower or, so, or awesome. something. Yeah, literally. I'll just. I moved it to the side, but I'll put it back. I'll put it yeah, back. yeah, put it back up. It's beautiful. I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> yeah. What is that? It's, it's a call, yeah. dude. You got it. It's from Home Goods. So. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's baller. It's baller. Yeah, yeah. 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 Audio absorber. Yeah. It happened live. <laughs> yeah. I'll talk about this later for the audience. But yeah, you could. Yeah. Enough, everybody. That's that's a good. <laughs> yeah. Fun, but uh. 
anyways, man, that was a, that was a fun episode, man. So thank you for joining me. I know that you, um, let people know where they can listen to eyes for your podcast. Where can they find you? Yeah, you can find it, um, anywhere. It should be anywhere. You can find podcasts. Um, yeah, search for eyes for ears. Um, you know, you can find us on our website, which is eyes for ears, um, with the number four or Twitter eyes for ears, um, with the number four as well. And that's where, you know, we, we try to post our episodes too. And you're also on Instagram. I was actually talking to Andrew Powell. That's via- who we are. Yeah. Andrew runs that. Sorry, I sometimes forget. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, man, thanks, thanks, for the, thanks for shouting out for me. <laughs> of course, I had to. But, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always fun talking to you. And you have yeah, to no. balance wisdom with humor so well. And, and your, your podcast is such a huge success. I wish you more success. And can't wait to see what you do down the road. So thanks for, yeah, th- thanks for having me on. I, I can't wait to see how your podcast keeps growing. It's, it's been a, you've, you've run a great show. Okay, I appreciate it. Well, we'll catch up soon, okay? Absolutely. Oh, and check out right. Frito Petitos when you're in Ann Arbor. That's why I have to tell you. I knew about that. Which one? Say it again. Petitos. Okay. Petitos. Got, got it. If, you're, if I can give you any value, that's my value for you. Frito Petitos. Okay. Amazing food. Okay. I'm sold. I'm All right. sold. All right. Thanks for listening to Honestly Bilal. You can find the video format of these interviews on the Honestly Bilal YouTube channel. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Honestly Bilal and check out honestlybilal.com, which is our new website, which has all previous episodes uploaded in their audio format, as well as a new blog section where we're going to have medical students and residents write guest articles to help the aspiring ophthalmologist community and those in training on their journey to kind of provide their tips and insights on the process of whether it be you know applying for residency or just going through every year of training we really look forward to bringing you guys new content and hopefully you can provide us with any feedback we can do to make that experience better for you we'll see you out there soon thanks so much